Hello and welcome to this podcast presented by the Physiotherapy Council of New South Wales. Today's discussion is about managing and minimising patient dissatisfaction and complaints. Our expert panel share their advice on how to minimise risk. If it appears that the patient may be uncomfortable, always ask if they're okay and document consent before touching them, particularly in a highly sensitive area. And what can physiotherapists do if a patient does make a complaint? Find out again what action they think needs to happen to resolve the issue. Ask the patient directly, what would you like to happen here? That will tell you everything that you need to know. Your host for this podcast is the Deputy President of the Physiotherapy Council of New South Wales, Tony Andari. Tony has experience across the clinical, education and governance areas of physiotherapy. Tony is currently a senior musculoskeletal physiotherapist with New South Wales Health, an educator at Sydney University and a consultant to Allied Health Clinics. Hi, I'm Tony Andari. Our two expert guests joining us today both have a wealth of experience in dealing with complaints. I've had the pleasure of working with Liz and Janine over the last few years on the New South Wales Physiotherapy Council. Elizabeth Ward is the current president of the New South Wales Physiotherapy Council. Elizabeth has been with the council for seven years and has worked in the public and private sectors for over 35 years. She has also held roles in governance, research and leadership with the Australian Hand Therapy Association over the past 15 years and has just finished five years on the credentialing council of the AHTA. Great to have you with us today, Liz. Thanks, Tony. Janine Eagleton is a trained, qualified dietitian with over 40 years' experience managing hospitals, retirement villages and aged care facilities in both the public and private sectors. Janine is an expert in managing patient and aged care resident complaints. Janine is a community member on the New South Wales Physiotherapy Council. Hi, Janine. Hi, Tony. So, Janine, what are some of the common reasons why clients or patients might be dissatisfied with their treatment? Tony, there's a range of types of complaints that the council receives. Most common types of complaints generally relate to performance around clinical record keeping, clinical care, health issues and the quality of communication, generally resulting from expectations not being met from the patient and also around the service quality and outcome of the treatment. Often it can be relating to the behaviour of the practitioner and sometimes misalignment between what the practitioner and the patient's goals and expectations are. And sometimes there's just a lack of respect for the patient-practitioner boundary. I think this can be true also, Tony and Janine, particularly of the early career therapist who only has limited supervision in a clinic. If they're seeing more than 14 or 15 patients a day, they're often really rushed and they don't have time to assess and treat and write adequate notes. And this, I think, is where they can become stressed and I think standards slip. If this is the case, I think it's worth discussing with your employer if you're an early career therapist because if an incident happens, it can be damaging not only for you as a practitioner but to the practice as well. Yeah, I think that's an important point because I I guess the registration is with the individual physio rather than the practice. So the, the individual physio needs to speak up and say, I need a little bit more time here to get through the things that I need to get through. So Liz, as we mentioned, you've got extensive experience investigating complaints with the New South Wales Physiotherapy Council. It's not always easy to see the signs that someone is not satisfied with their treatment. What are the sort of things we should be looking out for? First of all, the presentation of the patient. Are they on edge with the receptionist as soon as they walk into the practice? 
Do they not want to sit down in the waiting room? Are they sort of pacing around the waiting room? Are they anxious about how much things will cost? Are they asking those sort of questions of the receptionist? Are they also asking if the physio is running late? So you can see that they're quite anxious and they want to know how long before they're seen. I think you have to remember that for the patient, this can be a big thing. They may be in significant pain or worried about how long it will be before they can get back to work. The other thing you need to watch out for is changes in body language in the treatment or awkward behaviour. Sometimes their rate of breathing can increase or do they have signs of irritation such as they'll suddenly be answering questions briefly like yes or no or not looking you in the eye. Sometimes they may complain about increased pain and discomfort or even pull back from you or or say don't touch that or push you away. In summary, any signs of physical, emotional or psychological stress should not be ignored. I think it's important too to set up expectations of treatment early. So let them know what you're going to do in in the assessment and in the treatment and get their verbal consent to continue. Also remember that the patient's demeanour may or may not be because of something you have or have not done. It might be due to things that are completely out of your control. But I think it's important to take note of this and try to put them at ease. I also have recently come across practices who send out an SMS the next day to patients to check that they're satisfied with their treatment and to give the treatment a quick rating out of 10 And they then follow up on those who score a six or less. And I think this is a good way of heading off any problems or dissatisfaction early. Janine, if we think someone might be dissatisfied with a session that we've just conducted today or yesterday or or while we're doing that session, at at what point do we ask them, is everything okay with you? Are are you doing okay? Important point, Tony. Often they're feeling um, very uncomfortable and sometimes it takes them a long time to verbalise that degree of discomfort So as soon as you notice a change in their tension or the way in which they're presenting or answering your questions, stop straight away and just revisit the goals and expectations of the treatment with them. Make sure that there's nothing wrong. Just simply say to them, you look a little uncomfortable. Is there something I'm not aware of or something that you want to discuss with me? In essence, let the patient know that they're the ones that are in control. It will help them feel more comfortable, particularly with the treatment process. There are many sorts of signs that might be visible at the start of the session where a patient um, might be a bit anxious coming into the physio for the first time. So check in with the receptionist also for any early warning signs. Sometimes it could be at the beginning of the session or sometimes it could be during their first contact with the practice as they make the booking. And this could simply be because of a past bad experience or their expectations have simply just not been met in the past. At the beginning of the initial visit, it's important to set shared expectations with the patient. If it appears that the patient may be uncomfortable, always ask if they're okay and document consent before touching them, particularly in a highly sensitive area. I always find it helpful to remind myself what is required of a registered physiotherapist, particularly in relation to consent and documentation. Remember always to revisit the new shared code of conduct when you get an opportunity. The thing that I would add to that is also trusting your instincts. 
if there are some signs that maybe you have hurt them or they are uncomfortable, even though they haven't verbalised that, I think oftentimes it's easier as a clinician to just ignore that. But nipping something in the bud quite early and actually saying, is everything okay? You look a little bit uncomfortable. You don't look too happy. Do you want to share what's going on with me? And you might get the response that, oh, I've had a really tough day today or something's happened, you know, over the course of the last week or something along those lines. I I totally agree with that. It is important just to question the patient closely, especially if you think, you know, they've flinched a little bit or you've hurt them, even if it's just a small amount and it's part of the treatment to do a stretch or whatever, I think it's important to ask them if they're okay. Yeah, and I think we're talking about this in terms of complaints, but it actually sounds like good practice to actually make sure the patient is comfortable, make sure they're confident with what you're doing. I think you're actually going to end up getting a better outcome with a patient if you're engaging them in that way instead of in a very formalised process and then saying, oh, well, let's just pretend like this hasn't happened today. And if a stretch or something like that is going to hurt, it's worthwhile notifying them that this may hurt a bit and if it gets too much for you, please let me know because sometimes part of our treatments are uncomfortable and so you need to pre-warn the patient of that discomfort and that it shouldn't last. Liz, if the patient sort of looks like they're dissatisfied or says something that shows to us that they might be dissatisfied, how should we respond to that situation? I think essentially it's a four-step process. So step one is you you have to prepare for that difficult conversation that you're going to have with the patient. If you're an early career therapist, then I think you need to involve a senior practitioner. Often we get complaints in council with early career therapists who've tried to manage the complaint on their own. So I think as a first step, reread your notes to familiarise yourself with the treatment that you carried out and be prepared for that conversation with the patient. And then step two is engage with the patient or client to understand their perspective. I think listening is so important and observing without interruption. So try and let them say their piece. But it's okay to seek clarification when there's a natural break in the conversation. I think it's important that we listen with a proactive approach. So acknowledge their feelings, listen and understand their perspective as it may be quite different from what you thought happened in the treatment and it may surprise you. And we see this in council all the time, the mismatch of patient and practitioner recollections. So step three is try and facilitate some productive outcome. What do they think would be a satisfactory outcome from their perspective? Ask them what they would like to see happen. I think that's really important that they feel that they've been listened to. And then step four, if required, it's okay to adjourn the conversation to get more information and engage as necessary. And I think that's really important if you need to stop that conversation and say, look, I need to get some more information on this and explain to the patient that you'll get back to them and most importantly, give a deadline for a response. So say, I will contact you by the end of the week because that is the reason that people take a complaint to counsel. It's because they do not get a response from the practitioner in a timely manner. So what I'm hearing is if people feel listened to, then they're less likely to then take a complaint to, say, someone like the Physiotherapy Council. Exactly. Oh, I agree. This has made some very um, important points. And I think it's always good to stop the treatment the minute that you experience any discomfort from the patient. Try to pick up also on any worrying body language. Signs that might signify that they're tense, that they want to say something but they're not comfortable to do so. 
talk to them about what changes they might want in their treatment. They are, after all, the patient, and so have a strong say in the goals of their own treatment. Acknowledge their concerns and express concern that their expectations were not being met. You're not actually apologising for a mistake being made. You're apologising, in fact, that you've not met their expectations for the treatment that they have come in for. Reschedule the treatment session if necessary. If you feel the patient is quite tense and not in a position to really deal with the treatment going forward, just cancel it and reschedule it at a time that suits the patient. Most importantly, document, document, document. Make sure you go back, review the patient's clinical notes and write detailed information about the client at the end of that treatment session. So I think we're getting great advice from both of you there. So if I'm thinking about from my own perspective, what I'm hearing is one, take a step back, be calm, think about what your options are and then start to go through those steps that Liz was outlining before and take your time doing it. There doesn't have to be done between, you know, your 3.30 patient and your 4 o'clock patient where you need to sort this out. We can sort this out over time as long as the patient or the client feels like they're being listened to, then they're actually going to be quite satisfied with that in the end. It's a good point, Tony. I think making sure the patient doesn't feel as though you're rushing them out after a complaint is a very important thing for the practitioner to be aware of. I fully agree with that. You can feel very rushed and you start you know things start to go wrong in a treatment and you start to run late and you know the next patient's out in that waiting room so it's important to say to the patient look I really want to talk to you more about this I'll arrange a time at the end of the day when I can discuss it with you. Liz I know that you're an employer what do we do about a complaint if it's about one of our staff members or or one of our employees? I think it's important that as the owner of a practice about which a complaint is made You need to make yourself available to help manage that complaint and it is part of your job and your responsibility no matter how unpleasant it feels and how much you don't want to do it and it's important in maintaining yours and your practice's reputation. So talking to and listening to both the complainant and your employee involved is also important and that's true whether they're an early career therapist or even a more senior clinician. Just because they've been in practice for 10 years doesn't mean that they know how to handle that complaint either. If possible, you need to avoid it going down that legal pathway of litigation. So make sure you don't get defensive as it is easy for that to be perceived as rude and then the patient may lodge a complaint about you as well as the original practitioner and we see this quite often in council. As the practice owner you may not realise that you can be held liable for any complaint that is made about an employee of the practice. Again we come back to communication so make sure that you maintain communication both with the complainant and the staff member and that a timely response is really important And I think check in with the practitioner as well because they're often feeling very vulnerable after a complaint's been made about them and make sure that they're feeling okay as well. You know, Liz, communication comes up time and time again, doesn't it? Yes. And can I just suggest practitioners that might be listening, look at your new shared code of conduct. It gives you some wonderful advice around how to communicate effectively with your patients. So obviously there's that reputational risk to the business owner or the employer or, you know, if it's a a public health outpatients department, the team leader or the department head or whatever it is, 
I think the other thing that can happen is having that supervisor role can almost be a buffer between the complaint and the practitioner, so the yes, complainant and the practitioner. Yeah. And I think too we're always told not to apologise, which is kind of a bit crazy because that's really what the patient wants. They want to know that you're sorry. And so even if you're saying, I'm sorry this happened to you, I'm sorry that you feel this way, then you are sort of listening to them and, as Janine says, actively listening and trying to facilitate that resolution early, which is so important. All right, let's talk about what happens if what we've discussed just is not working. So what are the next steps in trying to find a resolution, Liz? I think it's it's important to reiterate your position on the complaint and apologise for how they're feeling, as I've just said, and that you hope that the complaint can be resolved. Find out again what action they think needs to happen to resolve the issue. Ask the patient directly, what would you like to happen here? That will tell you everything that you need to know and try and facilitate that if at all possible. Contact your insurer for advice on how to handle the issue. I think it's in their interest for this to be solved amicably as well and good practice to advise them of even the potential for a claim. If you're a member of the APA, you can also contact their legal team for advice and inform the complainant about other avenues available to them if they're still not satisfied, such as making a complaint to HCCC or the New South Wales Physiotherapy Council. I think it's really important, as Janine said earlier, to keep clear records and documentation of each conversation with the client as it happens. So do it contemporaneously contemporaneous notes are so much more powerful and also what is agreed to going forward. It's much easier to write notes at the time than to try and recall these conversations months later. One of the things that I found particularly useful as a young practitioner was to find almost like a mentor or a guide amongst other professionals that I could use as sounding boards, particularly when I was up against something that was worrying me or I wasn't really sure about the answer. So use your supervisors and your colleagues as sounding boards. They may have additional strategies that might assist you with the complaint and how you might deal with it in a different way in the future. So we're not just going to ignore that this is actually happening. We're not going to pretend like it's going to go away if I just, you know, ignore those emails, ignore the phone calls from the dissatisfied party. I'm actually going to take this on front on. I'm going to talk to my supervisor, I'm going to talk to my employer, I'm going to talk to my colleagues, I'm going to get some help from my professional association. I'm really going to try and engage and actually do something about this process rather than just pretend like, oh, geez, I hope this doesn't go anywhere. I think getting back to the patient is probably the most important thing you can do. It signals to the patient is that you really do care and that you're taking their complaint really importantly in your busy day. So let's talk about if a complaint is made. I can think of my own reaction if a complaint was going to be made about me. I'd be absolutely devastated to think that what I thought happened during that session is not what was perceived on the other end of that session and that I've got things so wrong that someone is completely dissatisfied with that half an hour or that hour that they've spent with me. I guess the question is, is with that stress that comes with that complaint, What do we recommend, what does the council recommend for practitioners to do in that situation? I agree, Tony. Having a complaint brought against you can be really difficult. There's nothing worse than having your professionalism questioned, but how you handle it comes down to, again, clear communication, listening to the patient's complaint and working together to solve the issue. 
But if you're not the one who can do this, then again involve a senior colleague. So when it comes to counsel, provide all the information that they ask for. Be open and honest and cooperate in a timely manner. As we said before, don't ignore it and don't be dismissive of the process. So you can look at it as a lesson learnt and try to engage in the process. We're actually not there to be punitive if the complaint is at the lower end of seriousness, but we want to help you improve your understanding of how to be a better practitioner and have a successful future career as a physiotherapist. We're particularly mindful of this in terms of the early career therapist. If they have a complaint brought against them early in their career, it can be really devastating for them and so we want to help them to continue to have that future career. And if you're feeling distressed or anxious about the complaint being made, make sure that you speak to your GP or to a trusted mental health practitioner or to your colleagues, as Janine said earlier, especially if they have personal experience. That can be really helpful. So Liz, some of those processes you sort of alluded to, what, what are those processes that might happen when a complaint comes to the Physiotherapy Council? Yeah, it is important to know how things are managed once that complaint comes to council. So the first thing that happens is the complaint is assessed by the HCCC intake officers or council staff, depending on whether the complaints come to one body or the other. Once it's assessed, it comes to council for a decision to be made as to how we proceed. In terms of if it's a lower level complaint, there's two sort of pathways that we can take. One is a counselling interview and that's where we bring the practitioner in and we have a counselling session where we all discuss the complaint and how to prevent that from happening in the future. And then the other one is a performance interview. So that's for you know, more serious levels of complaint and that's where we actually discuss performance of the practitioner and from there we decide whether we need to take any further action such as if they need an assessment of their performance in practice. The other thing to really be mindful of is these processes can take a long time. So if the practitioners ask for a response on the complaint, don't be worried if you don't hear anything back for, you know, six to eight weeks. That's quite common for it to take that long for that process to go through the council and come to a resolution. So that's the main thing to take home is, is don't be too concerned if it's taking a long time and by all means always contact the HPCA and ask the staff here what's happening, where is that complaint in the system as well. There's nothing wrong with doing that so you can reassure yourself that it's just in process. The other thing to be mindful of is it's probably worthwhile contacting your professional indemnity insurer just to let them know that a, there's a complaint in process. It doesn't mean that it will necessarily affect your insurance premiums or anything. People worry about that, but they just like to know what is occurring and then the potential for a complaint to advance further. And they have the resources and experience to help you with that management of that complaint as well. Some hearings we have practitioners come with a legal representative with them to the hearing and the other thing is that it's okay to have a support person come with you if you are having a performance interview or a counselling interview as long as that person is there just to support you and you're the one doing all the talking that's absolutely fine. One thing that I've noticed during the time I've been on the Physiotherapy Council as a community member is the quality of the advice that the practitioner members actually give two practitioners that have come in around counselling. These are people that have got years of experience and are full of wisdom about how to better deal with the issue going forward. So listen hard to the advice they give you. You'll learn a lot. The other thing to note there is that 
the person on the other end is a physiotherapist who's seen these sort of things, who knows what you're going through as well. I think that's an important point to mention. Remember, at the end of the day, we all as professionals have an enormous role and an important role to make sure that the goals and expectations of our patients are met and that the best quality care is delivered to them. So keep patient always uppermost in your mind when you're treating them. And our role as officers of the Health Professions Council is to make sure that the health and safety of the public is protected at all times. I think that also goes hand in hand with good practice. I think you're going to get good outcomes, you're going to do a good job, you're going to build a good reputation if you've actually got that front and centre. We've had a really great discussion today about how to deal with complaints and my takeaways from our discussion today are firstly try and recognise those points of dissatisfaction both verbal or body language wise, posture wise, trust your intuition around what you think is happening with the patient in front of you. Do they look dissatisfied? I think Janine mentioned earlier, has the admin staff or the reception staff given you a heads up that there's been a little bit of dissatisfaction there? Remind yourself around what your responsibilities are around the code of conduct. And then Liz, you went through that four-step process around dealing with the complaint. The final thing from my end is if the complaint does come before council, don't ignore it. Engage in the process. Look at the documentation that's come to you. Ask questions if they need to be asked. Reach out for help. We talked about the APA. We talked about, you know, getting support from colleagues. Do that and then engage in the process and that will make it a much smoother process. Remember that patients are individuals with diverse range of experience, education and lifestyle So take the time up front to understand their expectations for their treatment and health outcomes. Make sure you've got that absolutely crystal clear before you begin. And I think always make sure that you document what has happened during treatment. We're back to documentation. If an incident happens, write a clear and contemporaneous account of it in your notes. I always say if it's not in the notes from a regulatory perspective, it didn't happen or you have no record of your side of the story. And always report any adverse incidents to your employer or senior so they can respond appropriately if a complaint comes to them and it doesn't come as a surprise to them. Thanks, Liz, and thanks, Janine. I think I've learnt a fair bit in this 30-minute session, so thank you very much. Thanks, Tony. It's been a very interesting discussion. Thanks, Tony. I've enjoyed it. You've been listening to our special focus on managing and minimising patient dissatisfaction and complaints, presented by the Physiotherapy Council of New South Wales. For more information on any of the content in this podcast, You can access various resources by clicking on the description link located right here on your podcast player. Or you can contact the Physiotherapy Council of New South Wales via their website, physiotherapycouncil.nsw.gov.au. The Physiotherapy Council of New South Wales acknowledges the traditional custodians of the country throughout Australia and their continuing connection to lands, waters and communities. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and elders, past, present and emerging.